0: You are listening to The Hemp Startup Journey. My name is Jason De Los Santos, co-founder of Spectrum Labs, a hemp extraction facility in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sitting down with hemp entrepreneurs, scientists, and politicians willing to share their perspectives, lessons learned, and how we can make an impact on the hemp and cannabis industry for everyone. Hey guys, Jason here with Spectrum Labs. Just a quick note before we start the podcast. I had an incredible conversation with Anna Simons. I have a notebook just absolutely full of notes from this conversation. We talked about things like CBD myths and people and things that people believe right now that should be corrected in our education. We spoke about cannabis and CBD and how it relates to sports. Anna herself is a rugby player in the United States. We spoke about social justice and reform, which is a big and important topic. And uh, this, we, th- there was a lot of information for hemp and cannabis business owners, but there was also a lot of information for the consumer. For example, how to find the right product for you if you've never tried CBD before. So who is Anna Simons? Anna has been in the cannabis industry for four years and is the Director of Education for East Fork Cultivars. For East Fork, Anna has developed CBD certified, a free cannabis science educational program, which she has presented for the staff of more than 100 dispensaries across Oregon, as well as for numerous other retailers, industry groups, and the general public. This initiative has directly educated 2,500 people about CBD and cannabis science, and now will reach many more as an online class on public access TV. And uh, there's really great information about her background. I'll put this in the notes of the podcast, so please check out her extended bio. But please open your notebooks and pay attention. And here is Anna Simons. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the hemp startup journey. I'm super excited to be talking with you today. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, so let's see, we, we talked a little bit before, and um, I'm really excited for a number of reasons to talk with you. I think, one, you have a really great perspective about educating folks about cannabis, about hemp, about how to consume it, maybe how to how to consider types of products to consume, maybe not to. But I think the, one of the things that I like about the way that you educate is not saying, like, this is the only way as opposed to there are many options. Um, so, um, really look forward to the next few minutes of talking.
1: Thanks Jason.
0: Um, so let's see if we can start off with, um, I'm always interested in how folks have gotten into the industry. Can you lead us to wherever you want to start? How did you get into hemp or or cannabis?
1: Yeah, well, it was by chance, by luck. Uh, maybe you could call it fate. I don't know, (laughs) but I, um, I had been working in kind of the startup world a bit, I'm working for a startup for a few years and uh, really loved it. But, you know, as those things go, they go through a lot of changes often and different um, leadership comes in, things change. And so it kind of all um, melted down a bit. And so when I was looking for my next uh, you know, not just job, but my next, uh, endeavor, you know, where, where would I focus my energy and my efforts? Um, I decided that while I was looking, I would do consulting in the meantime for, you know, word of mouth, kind of small businesses, family and friends. Um, and through that, I ended up doing some consulting for, uh, cannabis growers here in Portland. And, uh, it was right around the time when our state licensed medical system was moving over into the state, Licensed uh, adult use, aka recreational, um, but we like to say adult use because, of course, it encompasses medical use and right. and other kinds of uses. So, I ended up doing some consulting for them. They ended up um, wanting me to work full time and sort of uh, do general management. So I was doing that for some time and got got into the industry that way. And through that, I um, found East Fork, which is where I'm currently uh, the director of education. Okay. So, yeah, it was really funny because i I wasn't uh, looking for the opportunity, but the opportunity found me, and I said yes to it <laughs> okay,
0: fantastic um, so let's see we'll we'll go go back a little bit regarding your your career, uh, but if we can talk a little bit about some myths regarding uh, hemp and CBD. And I, I don't like to say CBD, right? Like There's just so much more than just mm-hmm. that one component. But uh, in yeah. the, uh, the article that we were talking about before, one of the, the things that you mentioned is that uh, a lot of folks think that CBD is non-psychoactive, but I think you have a different take on that. Um, can you start with that? And then maybe just a couple of other myths that you think are, are really popular and we should uh, divulge.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That word non-psychoactive, it gets thrown around a lot with, um, with CBD in particular. And you even hear scientists using it and you see it sometimes in that uh, scientific literature, but more and more, you're starting to see other scientists correcting them and saying, actually, I think, you know, you mean non-intoxicating, that's a more accurate uh, term for it because a psychoactive substance is something that interacts with our nervous system to produce a change in mood or behavior and um, cbd does do that it has uh, well documented effects um anti anxiety um antipsychotic effects that that occur through um specific nervous system pathways and interactions with different neurotransmitters and receptor systems so um so it is psychoactive. It's just not euphoric. It's not giving us a high that's so often associated with psychoactive substances. It's a subtle psychoactivity from from our subjective experience versus kind of like a wham, I'm on drugs <laughs> kind of a feeling. You know? right. but, um, but yeah, so uh, and, and I think Also, I don't know that people necessarily understand the word psychoactive, so Mm -hmm. using the term non-intoxicating kind of makes more sense. It's more accurate, and uh, people know what that means, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, you're right. I like that term, non-intoxicating. That's good. Um, And let's see, any other myths that you often hear about? You educate a lot of folks. What what are the kinds of questions that you think, like, oh, well, we need to change that thought?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say a big one is that, uh, well, that I run into sometimes – with journalists um is that that you know cbd itself is a myth or that it's it's just a placebo you know and i I say that kind of in air quotes just a placebo well there's so much to unpack there (laughs) first of all cbd does work through biological pathways in our body whether we feel effects or not um it's it's you know you could compare it to like vitamins you know if you take some vitamin D, do you, do you feel it right away? Probably not, but is it, uh, contributing something helpful to your body's processes, supporting, um, you know, optimal functioning? Yes. You know, um, and the amount you take, the form you take it, all those things can matter just as they can with CBD in terms of, um, how much is taken up by your body and how it gets put to use. Um, but, But it always kind of cracks me up that some people are like, so tell me the truth now. You know, is CBD, (laughs) is it all really just hype? (laughs) They're like, well, well, no. (laughs) But, you know, but everyone's experience will be different due to our individual, Mm -hmm. you know, biochemistry, biology, genetics, and then also variations in products. And then, of course, your dosage. And then even things like how full your stomach is and and those other situational factors. Um, So, yes, people are going to feel different experiences with consuming CBD, but that doesn't mean that it's not doing anything if you can't
0: feel it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the the things that I've noticed is that folks will take it for however long they need to take it, and it might be a week or two weeks, and the reason that they were taking it for one day, they'll think, "I wonder if that's what is helping." You know, like it's not necessarily where where they're feeling it per uh-huh. se, but it's almost like the absence or maybe the the reduction of something that is, it, you know, it, it ails them.
1: I yeah. Guess. Um, absolutely
0: so do you think that that's part of uh like part of our culture just that that instantaneous like i gotta feel it to believe it or something like that i think
1: so and and maybe because also cbd is associated with um with cannabis which is something you know thc is an effect that is um far less subtle (laughs) you know you most people definitely can identify that feeling when it comes on um but, you know, I wanted and I mentioned the placebo effect and I wanted to uh, unpack that just a little more because yeah. um, I think there's also a misunderstanding in kind of popular culture of what the placebo effect is. You know, people say just mm-hmm. a placebo, just a placebo, and they use it like that word means um, taking something that doesn't really do anything and your mind is tricked into thinking it did so that it's your mind is satisfied, but that's not really the full story. So the placebo effect is actually kind of a medical marvel. It is when your body produces actual therapeutic responses by taking an inactive substance. So it's not just that you took something and you were worried too much and now you feel okay mentally, you know, it's not, it's not a trick that you're playing on yourself, it's your body is actually producing the therapeutic response, whether, you know, depending on what that is, of course, they've tested that in all kinds of different, um, you know, with different conditions, or responses. Um, And so it really is something amazing that our bodies do. Um, But the trouble with it is that it's usually not a lasting response, it's usually, you know, maybe you get it for a week or two with something. But but the key thing about it is that it is real. It's, it's a real, um, beneficial thing that I think, um, medical science, you know, doesn't understand how it works. Um, but, but, you know, are looking to like, if we understood how to harness that, how to harness our body's own abilities to produce these therapeutic responses, um, that would be incredible. So, So the fact that something, you know, can produce a placebo response is a good thing. It's just, and that's why, um, you know, clinical trials will compare a control group with, you know, with nothing, no treatment, a placebo group, and then um, the, you know, the substance being tested because generally speaking, you know, the, the control group that takes nothing will have the lowest response, the placebo will have some response, and then ideally your therapeutic substance will have a higher response. And it has to be, you know, significantly different than the placebo in order to, to know that it's not the, just, just the placebo's response. Um, so, you know, to, to have like a difference between those two so that you know it was produced by the substance versus by the placebo. But just to note that that is a real response that happens, you know, some good things are happening. It's not just a mental trick.
0: Sure. Okay. That's, yeah, you, you blew my mind. <laughs> I, I've never researched that or, or looked into like, I've I've heard placebo a million times, but never had somebody explained it to me just like you did. So um, So it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I guess people just compare it uh, for whatever the the drug or the supplement or whatever's being studied, as that oh well the placebo is sort of like a throwaway thing and that did better or worse than the that component that they're researching. But it's but like you're saying, it's it's really amazing that that's happening in the first place. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's still a very mysterious area medically.
0: Huh. Very interesting. So then, is that uh, any theories out there? Is that just because the mind thinks? Well, this little capsule. Is supposed to help me with this or do you know how what that bridge is connecting or i guess creating that effect? that you
1: know that's the question and um i believe they've even done placebo studies you know studies looking at the placebo effect where they've told people what we're doing is a fake treatment you know when they're like um whether it's, you know, a sugar pill or um, fake acupuncture, you know, they, they pretend they're putting a needle in, but they don't really put one in or, you know, they've done these different things. And, um, I think to me, the cool thing about it, it just points to the amazing abilities of our own bodies, um, which actually links back to cannabis and CBD and hemp because, um, because we have things like the endocannabinoid system, which, um, you know, is stimulated by these external phytocannabinoids, but all of the, the healing and the, um, balancing and the positive things that happen, our bodies do that, you know, our bodies create the therapeutic responses. Um, sometimes they can just use a little help from the <laughs> external source to, to just turn those receptors on and get those pathways going.
0: Okay. It's almost like sometimes we just need a little trigger to get the right systems going. Um, so talking about the, uh, was there anything else about the placebo effect or or can I ask another question? Yeah,
1: go, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Uh, With you mentioned the ECS, the endocannabinoid system, Mm -hmm. is there some sort of a a test or cause we talk a lot about the ECS Uh, and CBD and you know, how it, it impacts that system, but is there a way to know, okay, well, you're, at zero, but you need to be at 10, I'm just curious if you know anything about that.
1: So, there isn't something commonly commercially available, to my knowledge, or just at your doctor's office. Most of the science with the endocannabinoid system, or rather, I should say, pretty much all of it, in terms of uh, quantitative measurements, is done in research science. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a silo. There's, there's research science done in labs, and these are these are um, explorations of potential treatments that are not necessarily available to um, patients until, until that science reaches a certain level of acceptability, where it can then cross over into kind of the medical science silo um, treatment. You know, so usually that means there are multiple or, you know, many um, placebo-controlled double-blind clinical trials, you know, studies done in people with these control groups so that they can, you know, that's a scientific way. They can narrow it down and say, under these controlled conditions, we know that this substance was producing this response and nothing else, or this treatment, you know, and so That's why cannabis faces as a whole plant treatment, it faces um a lot of hurdles because it is by nature polypharmacological. So meaning it it um works through multiple pathways, it does a bunch of different things at once, you know? And um medical science doesn't like that. Medical science's way is to (laughs) isolate and then test each component to say, okay, we know what this one does, we know what that one does. And that gets tricky with cannabis when you know there is a theory of the entourage effect that components are working in synergy and they're actually um, they're not added like one plus one is two good things. It's they're multiplying each other. So you know one times one is five or ten. You know it's a, it's a special magical math. So, <laughs> but you know. Uh, I don't know if I got off on a, a tangent there.
0: No, that's no, it's perfect. But it, I think sometimes the with what you're referring to, that, that in science now we're trying to isolate you know, what does CBD help with or maybe some other component or, or just hemp in general, but we don't necessarily look at apples that way anymore, right? Like, you know, people say eat an apple for general wellness and they can help with A, B and C, but that's because we, we've had apples for a millennia, right? And it's CBD might be just maybe the the newest thing that people don't understand and if we don't understand it, then it's scary and it's evil, so yeah. to speak, like not to that extreme, but just like yeah. it's weird. Yeah. And we, we, we have to find out how to like what's the thing that works or doesn't work.
1: Yeah. We, well, we've had cannabis for millennia, too, but we never made right. apples illegal and made people grow <laughs> them in their basements, you know, making growing little <laughs> apple trees under lights in their basements. So right. um, that, you know, really held back uh, scientific inquiry in terms of the cannabis plant um Mm -hmm. and and you know schedule one the the federal prohibition of cannabis in the united states is still in place so really um our work isn't done as a um you know politically speaking and in terms of really like i think i look at it as a human rights issue you know that this is a medicinal herb it's a it's a plant that's very useful for numerous common conditions and uh I think that people should have the right to choose to use it, um, especially when all the science supports and always has supported the fact that it's um, a a lower risk kind of substance, especially compared to things like alcohol, which is freely, you know, is is legal. Um, And, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, we need to, we need to reckon with the political side of things And of course, um, all of the horrible fallout from that and um, the harms that have been done to communities of color, in particular the African-American community in the U.S., Um, we know that cannabis um, prohibition or, you know, um, arrests, prosecution, incarceration happens uh, at a much higher rate you know four times higher for african-american folks as for white people and, and that um, usage rate rates are about the same you know mm-hmm. so it's um and of course those harms have have uh, really they've been devastating for communities you know people when somebody is incarcerated and, and that's, that harms families and that sends um, trauma down through generations. And it, you know, it sets families back, it sets people back and it, it sets back whole communities. And so that's something that the cannabis industry, as it wants to grow, you know, come out of the shadows of prohibition. And we want to, people want to start making money. Um, we do owe it to, uh, to these communities, but really to the ideal of justice mm-hmm. in general, you know, do we want to, um, do what's right and, and really, um, try to do our best to heal those, um, those injustices.
0: Yeah. That's a huge topic. And, um, I think right now there's the, I think it's called the more act, right? It's, um, uh, what month are we on? November, 2019, the more act sponsored yes. by, I think, representative uh, Nate Nadler from New York, and uh, that's a big component of it, just that whole social justice aspect. And uh, I think there's there, there are a few different things, but part of it is taxing uh, cannabis industry to, to provide to communities that were affected by this and then removing the, the illegitimacy of cannabis. And, uh, just, I guess, how do you, how do you even start to unpack all of these things? Because it's not just like, like a, a law could come into place and then it's all fixed, right? Like it's not,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a lot yes. So from the social perspective, how do you start to address all of these issues that cannabis has created?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a hard question and we've seen different cities and states take different approaches to it, um, with yeah, varying degrees of success. Yeah. You know, we've seen some issues and, um, in California where there were social equity licenses set aside, but then because, um, because the cannabis industry has no access to traditional banking or financing, uh, people weren't able to get loans to actually run those businesses. So they just ended up selling the licenses. And then that, that license was just held by another corporate chain, you know? And so, um, so there are multiple related issues, um, and it's not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, it's going to require a lot of commitment, but, um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't excuse us from trying right. <laughs> just the fact that it's going to be so hard. Yeah. Um, and I think I think one of the first steps is addressing the federal prohibition of cannabis. We've got to stop arresting people um, for this, plant, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I think this is probably a good opportunity to mention uh, a group that I'm pretty excited about, which is Last Prisoner Project. And this is a nonprofit um, group that, you know, their mission is to, to free every prisoner, um, currently incarcerated for cannabis and, um, to help, uh, heal those communities, help those people re-enter society and, uh, and really, um, I think I love that their mission is very focused. I think it will, it will help them to, uh, make ground on those particular objectives um but that's just one piece of the puzzle but i think it's such a great place to start because it's absolutely outrageous that that we can have you know we I mean people out here in the world can have jobs in cannabis can make our living this way can make money and pay taxes now on our, our cannabis sale mm-hmm. while there are people so incarcerated um for for selling cannabis or growing cannabis um, and there are people still being arrested just for possessing it like right now, you know, and they think they found that cannabis arrests have actually gone up, um, in, in, places where it isn't state legal. Um, so it's still a battleground. And I think people need to realize that even if we're only talking about hemp and CBD, you know, that's the same plant. And if you're getting benefits from it, and if your CBD oil helps your pain, helps your anxiety, you have a better life. That's great. But also you know, realize that, um, we all, all should do our part to, um, transform things, you know, to move forward. To, I don't know about make things right. Um, I guess that's the ultimate goal make God, I don't know, to make things right, but to move towards that, you know, step right. by step.
0: Yeah. We can always try to make things better. It doesn't necessarily have to be perfect yet. Yeah, it's going to yeah. take a while yeah. to, to correct all these things. Yeah. Um, and so, because I think there's still uh, in the United States at least half of Americans who think that CBD and THC are the exact same thing, that they'll get you high. And so I think what you do in that education piece is so important is that even if it's just one person at a time yeah. with that, it's like that domino effect, eventually it adds up and more people will understand, okay, well, at least there's a difference and you can have a different conversation as opposed to, for example, the other day, we had a person who came in and she didn't know what we sold in, in our, our CBD shop. And she said, what do you guys do here? And we said, you know, we do CBD and hemp products. And would you like to come in? And she had this like physical sort of reaction, like, oh my God, like, no, like, <laughs> with a, "Like, how are you guys even open? And this was illegal. Um, you know, she, she didn't understand. And we, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to try to explain and, and educate her on it. But uh, that just that understanding can go a long way with just, just our country.
1: Yeah, it is wild right now. Um, the... The differences um, in knowledge and, you know, between, especially if you're working in the cannabis industry and you're surrounded by this day in, day out, you get kind of used to it, you know. And yeah. But in education, I do run into people all the time who, who have very basic questions like, is this legal? And, um, you know. And it's not their fault if they haven't had access to to information about this before. So I think that's part of it is making the um, just sharing reliable information and mm-hmm. um it, yeah it's, it's very different out here on the west coast where we've um, had adult units in several states for you know a few years now, and so places like Oregon, Washington, California. And some others. It, I mean, it. You know, it's it's pretty normal. We're really used to it, and that's that's cannabis as a whole, too, not just hemp and CBD. So, um, it, uh, it always uh, is a little funny for me too. And I go other places where it's not. You know, where where it's still controversial or unknown to have CBD. That's like, oh wow, I feel like I'm in a different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, before we started recording, I mentioned that I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And inside of Asheville, it's like a it's like a mini Silicon Valley re- related to hemp. Uh, it's, you know, CBD shops everywhere. You know, people are really uh, there, there are a lot of advocates for it. A lot of folks that are really pushing to. Uh, to put this product out there and to help people, and then on the exterior sides of Asheville, the the I guess the mountains, uh, very conservative, and not a lot of folks are too keen on it. Just yeah, like it's growing, right. um, but uh, it's we we have so much of that sort of uh, understanding disparity. Uh, but I think it's it, it's getting better slowly.
1: Yeah, one thing that I find interesting too is that um, interest in CBD I have found really spans a lot of political sides. So even if someone is um, right wing or conservative, you might think, oh, they they would be against it, but that's not necessarily the case. I've actually chatted with a lot of folks who um, who lie on that side of the political spectrum, but they they're very interested and um, or even already big supporters of uh, CBD products because they've used them and felt the difference. And I think that's, you know, it's a really big um, word of mouth where somebody has an experience that can be really transformative, whether it's taking away pain or um, improving functioning in a way that they they haven't had for a while. You know, it's such a huge... And I think that um, that's really the the power behind things. You know, Mm -hmm. of course, you want people to have, have the good, like correct information traveling through word of mouth but um it's it can be really powerful
0: yeah so if we can change topics for a little bit uh let's talk about uh, sports and athletics um so let's see you're uh you're a rugby player you're active you're an active rugby player right uh you play is it sevens is that the right term so
1: yeah well so sevens is one form of rugby Mm -hmm. that i do play and then 15s is kind of like the standard uh classical form of rugby and i play that as well so okay um
0: so then for yeah. for folks that don't understand which is probably 99 percent of the people that are going to be listening can you give us just the the basics of rugby just like the quick primer on rugby and because uh, it's, it's so different
1: yeah yeah so a rugby ball is kind of bit the same basic shape as a football but it's bigger and fatter and you can't pass it forward you can only throw it laterally straight sideways or a little backwards and so um there are a lot of different rules you know there's a a, a law the referees use um, to judge things and a lot there's a lot of like if this then that kind of thing but um, but basically it's very fast flowing it doesn't um, stop too much not not as much as football so football actually came from rugby, little known fact. Yeah. Um, they took you know they took rugby and then changed a bunch of things. And so and then you know that's so other game. Um, but you do have uh, like football has an end zone. Rugby has a try zone where you score a try. It's five points, and then um, if you make the extra kick, you get two more. But you don't get to take it right up front. You have to take it from. Uh, as wide as you scored, so wherever you scored, you you can go back as far as you want to make the kick, but um, you can't can't move uh, sideways at all. Okay. So, yeah, so those are kind of the basics. It's full tackle. We don't wear pads or helmets, um, and uh, there's 15 people aside in that you know standard classic 15s game, Well whereas sevens has the same size field. But there are only seven people on each chat. So there is uh, it's very free-flowing and athletic. And that's the version of rugby that is in the Olympics, in the Summer Olympics now.
0: The sevens is what's in the Olympics? Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So I wonder if I can – let me see if I can share my screen for a second. Um, hold on a second. Is, is this you? Are you – is this you here, the tackler? Oh,
1: I don't see the screen.
0: No, you can't see it. Let me see okay. if uh, hold on a second. Uh, oh, here we go. Start sharing. Um, this might not work.
1: Oh, I see my face. Um, see oh, yeah, that is me. <laughs> so
0: yeah, th- this is a wicked picture uh, for, it, for <laughs> the people that are not going to be watching this. So you're well, I, I'll let you describe it. What's what is happening here? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we are playing against uh, San Diego. This was a few years ago, and um, the ball carrier and I'm on defense, and I'm making the tackle. Um, <laughs> and she's got another ear there in support on her own team. Um, That's and yeah, the, the photographer just caught a really nice moment where we are <laughs> we just. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I know that's,
0: that's just a, a nanosecond of action, but it looks so intense. <laughs> and I guess that's the sport, right? That's it's just intensity. You're not wearing pads. I mean, you're wearing shoes. I guess is about the only protective <laughs> gear that you have.
1: A guard mouth mouth okay. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: so, um, speaking about cannabis and hemp use, and um, just. You know, I guess uh, maybe you can talk about what an athlete goes through with your sport or maybe just as a professional athlete and then how you think about just using hemp and cannabis and, and CBD to sort of, I don't know, help with staying active as an athlete.
1: Yes. Well, um I am a member of Athletes for Care. So that is that's a nonprofit group um, that the CARE stands for Community Advocacy Research and Education. So, um, you know, we advocate for um, cannabis rights and um, sort of, I guess, efforts to be able to allow to use cannabis, but also for more general, you know, public legalization. Um, and, uh, at, you know, as a nonprofit The group is funding some research programs into different aspects of medicinal cannabis. Um, We also do outreach and education. Um, And so, yeah, so the group has, I think, almost has about 200 uh, former professional athletes, mostly former. There's a few people that are still active. Um, uh, But, you know, these are people who are all brought together by this common experience of finding uh, amazing benefits from from cannabis therapeutics whether that's cannabis as a whole or you know for some people they just use cbd um but for me like you said rugby is a very rough sport very rugged and physical and i just finished my 19th year of playing So I'm, I'm pretty old for the sport, you know, not, not in real life, but uh, for for it to be still playing. And, uh, and so those things really, um, accumulate. So you, you know, when you play in a game, you're going to have, at the very least, you're going to have some new fresh bruises and scrapes. Um, and then, you know, maybe soreness, uh, from exerting in your muscles. So different kinds of, you know, you have the, the exertion pains and then you have, uh, the collision pains. And so, you know, inflammation is a big aspect of, um, recovery, you know, controlling inflammation and, uh, having a a healthy inflammation response. You're not getting too much pain. Um, and a lot of people that I know, I know I personally have, I don't use over the counter anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen or, Um, aspirin or or any of those things Um, I stopped in 2015 and so if I need anti-inflammatory effects I just use things like CBD and um, turmeric and sort of those herbal remedies Um, what they're finding with some of those traditional NSAIDs you know over-the-counter anti-inflammatories is that they the way they work is by inhibiting these enzymes called pox enzymes that do a couple different things. And there's two types. There's a type 1 and type 2. And one of the types um, handles the production of these um, anti-inflammatory compounds that go throughout the body pro-inflammation. So if you inhibit the COX enzymes, you inhibit the production of inflammation, this systemic inflammation. Um, But the issue with with the NSAIDs is that they inhibit both types. The other type of COX enzyme also deals with um, keeping a healthy layer of lining in the gastric uh, system, you know, your stomach and, and that kind of thing, which is why... Um, when people take, you know, often have issues with ulcers and that kind of thing, if they're taking NSAIDs, they're taking too many or too regularly is because then they're inhibiting the body's ability to uh, maintain that protective lining in the stomach and, and, uh, you know, along the gastric pathway. So, so that was interesting to me is that you know, you can go, oh, it's more natural. Well, that, what is the word natural? Mean? But specifically, scientifically speaking, CBD as an anti inflammatory only inhibits the type of Cox enzyme that deals with inflammation and not the stomach lining one. So it's actually um, more targeted and it's it's more specific. And so, um, you know, and CBD also promotes uh, a healthy microbiome in the gut with like kind of the, the good bacteria that we want to be thriving. Um, where they're finding that the over the counter NSAIDs, you know, and in the prescription ones as well, they actually, um, do the opposite. You know, they, they're sort of not good for our, our microbiome in the gut. Sure. So to be even before I knew that it was kind of a, an easy choice, um, with listening to my body and what it was feeling. But I think for anybody who's active and, uh, it does any kind of physical exertion, it might be something to look into is using kind of CBD supplements or even bigger doses when you need anti inflammatory effects. Um, so that's just one of the things. But um, I think THC offers really good pain relief. Um, I use it for that um, and to help with, you know, good appetite, to help with relaxation the night before competition. Um, and then also topicals for skin health, um, not just for, you know, some people like to use them for like aches and pains topically, which is nice. But, um, I specifically like, you know, when I have scrapes like turf burns. sometimes we have to play on turf, um, and you lose, you know, you can get some pretty deep wounds in your skin. And so, uh, I have actually gotten MRSA from that before, um many years ago, which was unpleasant. And now I just make sure, you know, I clean it and then I, I I use a, uh, CBD or THC or both, um, you know, a balm that has, uh, other healing herbs and stuff, but also cannabis because it does have, um, naturally antibacterial, um, properties.
0: Okay. Talking about, um, sports, and then CBD from a business perspective. Uh, There are a lot of companies that are trying to get the attention of athletes and different sporting associations. Uh, What are the kinds of things that companies need to do that the CBD hemp, maybe cannabis companies that that we need to do to get the right attention or or to provide a good product? Uh, And maybe, or also if you want to talk about the things that maybe we shouldn't do, right? How how do you consider that?
1: Yeah, Um, well, I think that's a a big area Um, and I think we're going to see more as cannabis as the stigma lifts more and more. We're going to see more endorsed products as as people get comfortable doing that, people beyond, of course, um, kind of the advocates that are already speaking out in this earlier stage. But um, for me, there's a a couple important requirements. You have to have uh, an effective product. And that means it's, you know, not only does it work, but it's, it's high quality in terms of sourcing, you know, it's organic, it's, um, it's well-tested and, and then also the ethics of the company, you know, what are their business practices? Are they, um, paying a living wage? Are they, um, engaged in social justice efforts? Are they growing in an environmentally responsible way? You know, if they're growing um, growing themselves or, you know, if they're sourcing their ingredients from elsewhere, are they doing due diligence and working with companies who do the right thing there? So for me, the bar is pretty high. It it doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, um, I think that should just be seen as normal rather than like, I've got really high standards. I wish that everybody's companies were done that way. Um, but you know, when it comes to endorsements, of course, there are people who will always just say, like, show me the money, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's kind of, that, that's one way. But I do feel like when it comes to um, cannabis therapeutics, when people experience, um, you know, a powerful change themselves, a lot of times they're motivated to share it with other people. and um, And some people even start their own companies so that they can control the supply chain and that kind of thing. So I think consumers, unfortunately, you know, as much as I love athletes, we're great, but do your own research. Don't just take someone's word yeah. for it. Don't just say, Oh, they played in XYZ professional league. And they said, buy this and they use it. I, you know, right. look into the ingredients and how those ingredients are sourced Um, And, you know, there are some certifications that can be helpful Um, for hemp. There's USDA certified organic. That's just a basic, um, you know, staple certification, which we can get for hemp because hemp is federally legal. Um, But on the cannabis side, the best certification out there is a newer one called Sun and Earth. And, uh, if you Google it, you can Google sun plus earth that's how it's written, but that's a certification. Um, it's third party and it's done by, uh, the group, well, Dr. Bronner's that, the, that, uh, soap and, and body products company, um, donated mm-hmm. money to, to help make that a reality. Um, mm-hmm. that it, but it is a third party nonprofit and, They certify companies on the cannabis side. So they look at not only environmental responsibility, but also um, social responsibility. And so they look at how workers are treated and how the company engages with the community. So that's a really kind of a holistic type of certification for products. It's really the gold standard that's out there. Um, And I believe they will give that certification to hemp companies as well if they want to go through the process. So, Yeah.
0: Uh, never heard of that. I will take a look into that company. You mentioned uh, athletes and the, their power to influence, which is, it's great on one hand, right? Because if they have a really good, let's say product or, or service or something that they want to highlight, they can bring it to the attention of millions of people. But maybe if they haven't done the, the research or maybe they're, they're like handlers, <laughs> so to speak, if they haven't done the research, then that can put a really bad product out on the market. Uh, so as individuals, we still have to be um, our, our own advocates for health and for purchasing or for researching and for purchasing the right product. So for individuals, um, how do you know what to buy? Like, you know, out of all the different things, it's it's overwhelming when you go into a store. How do you start that process?
1: It is, it is. Um, So a couple overall ideas to keep in mind. Um, Don't buy based on price. So don't, don't just buy the cheapest thing just because it's the cheapest. Mm-hmm. But also, don't assume that the more pricey ones are all the same quality and that it must be better because it's expensive. That's a mistake people make sometimes with wine, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not necessarily better. They're just appealing to um, to folks who think it might be because the price is higher, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so kind of put price out of your head a little bit, at least when you're first doing research. And what you want to look at is... Um, the product formulation. So is it a full spectrum product, a broad spectrum, or is it made from isolate? Um, if it's, a, you know, a, a CBD product and uh, full spectrum of course is uh, an extract of kind of everything that's in the plant. And so usually that, and ideally in the same natural ratios that it's found uh, in the source plant material. So usually that's, um, sort of implies that thc is in there in some amount because even with hemp you've got um usually just at least trace levels of c or thc mm-hmm. <laughs> um so full spectrum broad spectrum which is often used with cbd products where you know the kind of the implication there is like hey this is pretty full spectrum but we've taken out the thc or we've eliminated it somehow mm-hmm. and then isolate which is um That is CBD that has been processed down to just the CBD molecule itself and nothing else. So you don't have any other components from the plant, no cannabinoids, no terpenes, no flavonoids, no plant waxes or lipids or other things. So understanding um, what you want from your product will help you choose which of those uh, types to to buy for yourself. So with a full spectrum or broad spectrum product, you're going to get a greater range of potential therapeutic effects because there's just more stuff for your body to interact with plant material, more more therapeutic components that can work through various pathways. Um, So you have to take, you know, a smaller amount of that type of product to get kind of the same level of benefits as uh, a larger portion or dose of isolate. Um, and then, of course, with those larger doses, you get a higher likelihood of interactions with other pharmaceuticals, which we don't want to. So so there are, um, overall, if you're looking to really take CBD as a supplement or medicinally, you kind of get the most bang for your buck with a a full spectrum or broad spectrum type product, like a whole plant extract. Um, That said, there are some reasons that folks choose isolate. Um, Drug tests is a big reason, you know, if, and, and there are still issues with that. There can be false positives on drug tests. So even using an isolate product doesn't guarantee that, that you'll always pass a drug test. You know, it's, there's still some level of risk with that just because, the testing methodologies um, are not always totally accurate, and some are more sophisticated than others. So that's an issue. But that said, if folks are looking, you know, they for whatever reason, they say, I want zero THC in this product, um, then that's when you would look for an isolate Um some product makers also use isolates when they do, they really don't want any cannabis taste at all in the product. So you know they want to put in some CBD or THC, but they don't you know don't want that cannabis taste to ruin their their you know fine chocolate or their <laughs> whatever flavors they're promoting. Um, so you know, and you can still get benefits from CBD isolate. It's just, you know, you kind of have to take more of it and dosing can be a little trickier. So, um, so really figuring out, so understanding how your product is made, you know, is the extract coming from an isolate? Is it a distillate? Um, which is, you know, also a fairly, um, kind of low spectrum sort of CBD. There's not, not too many extra plant components, or are we looking at something from the full plant Um, and then you really want to look at sourcing of the, the plant material. So where was this grown? Um, you, you know, for me, I always want plant material, whether cannabis or hemp, um, that was grown in the USA. Of course with cannabis, that's less of an issue, but with hemp, there's a lot of imported hemp that's grown in places where they don't have the same environmental laws or consumer protections that we have. So, um, so, you know, U.S. grown hemp, ideally USDA certified organic, um, because that lets you know that they're meeting certain standards in, um, the way they're, they're growing it. Um, you don't want, you don't want pesticide residues, heavy metals, um, you know, other, other types of residues making it through into your pro- product. Uh, and then you want to, the way that you can make sure too is you want to be able to see the test results. And, and the testing should be done by a third-party accredited lab, um, not, you know, not their own internal test results that say, see, <laughs> look, we tested it. It's all great. Oh, it should be this an outside body, and there should be a certificate of analysis that shows potency, so how much CBD, THC, et cetera, is in this product. And then um, also testing for things like pesticide residues and heavy metals and um, other contaminants. Uh, so there, that, those should be available, of course. Then people say, "Well, how do I know if the lab is a right. good lab?" That's that's a harder question. That's the one that the industry itself is grappling with because there, you know, the, there is only a little regulation, if any, around labs themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, a lot of it, has been based on uh, reputation and that kind of thing. But um, really there's work that needs to be done there regulatory wise, make sure that all of these labs are using um, standard techniques and that they're meeting the same Mm -hmm. standards. So, so, you know, some caveats there, but, but there's no easy answer to that. We're, we're kind of doing our best. Uh, (laughs) And then, so, you know, lab results. And then, so if you got to that point and you have a few products where you're like, okay, I think these are all uh, reliable companies and, and, you know, they all look like they've met my criteria so far. Then you might look at price point and see, you know, if, if there's a, something that sways you one way or another. Um, but but yeah, really don't assume that just because something is a big name and they spend a lot of money advertising it. So you've seen it somewhere. Don't assume that it's a good product or that it's, you know, even safe or trusted necessarily. Um, or don't assume something's high end just because it's expensive. Um, but then on the other side, if it's really cheap, I would probably <laughs> stay away from it too. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, don't, don't buy from random places on the internet. That's probably the worst thing you could do. Um, if you know, of course that's different than buying through a company that you know of, where if you're like, Oh, I love X, Y, Z, CBD co, you go to their website and order. That's one thing. But, you know, just Googling like CBD oil and getting something that pops up is, is not a good idea.
0: Yeah. The um, we, We have a, an in house uh, HPLC machine for testing cannabinoids, and so every once in a while we'll pick up a product and just test it, just to see you know what what's in it. Um, we always like to study competitors and just to see you know if there's anything that we should be sort of aspiring to, or maybe something that out there that's junk. And so we purchased a couple that were on on uh, let's just say the the biggest online retailer uh, that was promising something like eighty thousand milligrams of CBD in a 30 milliliter bottle, right? So like your standard bottle that you see, and it, it promised 80,000 milligrams. And it was a little bit of trickery because uh, the there were different labels depending on the different picture that you looked at on site. Uh, so the title said hemp oil, but then the, the I think one of the labels said CBD oil. So it's like, you didn't really know what you were getting. So we purchased it, we put it through the machine and it had zero amount of CBD or any other cannabinoids. It was just hemp oil. Um, so you
1: know, yeah, it,
0: it was just like flabbergasting. And it was, it had, I forget how many thousands of positive reviews and people are like, oh my God, this is amazing. But it didn't have what, what it was promising, but people probably just didn't understand it.
1: Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and hemp seed oil has no CBD in it. (laughs) It CBD doesn't, it's produced on the flowers, on the buds of the plant, not in the seeds and the seeds are nutritious and they have, um, you know, good benefits for you if you eat them or, you know, eat the oil, it's good omegas and that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, that's frustrating. Um, Hemp extract doesn't mean it's the same thing as CBD extract.
0: That's We should put that on a, on a billboard somewhere. It's just a <laughs> bunch of billboards. <laughs> it, it is not the same thing. Right. Um, have yeah. you come across any research? Uh, you, you talked about before that if you can, uh, go for a full spectrum product. Uh, but have you seen any research that indicated whether getting a, a naturally occurring full spectrum product was better than a product that was separated and then combined? Right. Like there were some companies that do that where it's it's an isolate and they add cbg and cbn and something else do you know anything about the differences
1: yeah you know i don't think that there there isn't to my knowledge i haven't seen any science any kind of third-party science Mm -hmm. um you know peer-reviewed science that would point to um a difference in a product that was just extracted straight from the source and you know kind of as is versus um, separating components setting them aside and recombining them later um i do know there are a lot of a lot of hybrid products now i guess you could call them where say that you know where where you do kind of like a traditional extract like kind of a whole plant extract and then maybe you want to raise the cbd level higher so people will then add some isolate just to mm boost those CBD levels. Um, I think that that kind of thing is pretty common now, um, whether it's disclosed or not, because again, there's no like requirements that anybody disclose exactly how their products made. And so a lot of times people don't, um, yeah. And like I said, I, I don't think there's science showing that one way is better than another, but I think that people, I think it's okay to have personal preferences. And I know for me, I oftentimes feel like, less tinkering is better, you know, like, um, less processing, uh, like, um, cannabis is essentially a fresh herb. And we know that with things like herbs and vegetables and fruits, they have antioxidants. And if you, you know, if you have it fresh and raw, you get the most or, or lightly steamed. Sometimes that even like unlocks, you know, lightly cooked kind of unlocks a little bit of the, the nutrients. Um, but then if you freeze it, you lose some, you know, and then if you, say can it you lose even more and it's just those different levels of processing Um, we can lose we can lose things that are beneficial and I think with cannabis my personal sense not based on science but this is just kind of my personal feeling about it is that we don't even know yet what we might be losing at different levels of processing because we don't understand the whole plant yet we haven't even identified every component of cannabis you know we know that there's around 500 different compounds that we've identified, but um, we're still identifying more. And we think that there's still unknowns in the plant. So if we don't even know what's in there and we don't even understand how it all interacts, then um, I don't know that we could truly know for sure what we might be losing as we um, eliminate pieces of the plant. You know what I mean? And and sort of throw away different components. Um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with With uh, things like CO2, you know, where they take away, say they, you know, get the terpenes first and set them aside, Mm -hmm. they're very volatile, so, you know, they have to to deal with those first, set them aside, get cannabinoids, and then discard some of the other things, and then combine them back, that's probably okay, Uh, science-wise, I don't know, but there are, it's interesting, I think people should be aware that even within uh, an extraction method like CO2, for example, there are different techniques in that method. So when somebody says they're doing CO2 extraction, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. everyone's doing it the same way. And some people are using um, other solvents within that process, like alcohol or sometimes even hydrocarbons, but they're not necessarily disclosing those because overall the method is mm-hmm. CO2 extraction. So um, it can get really technical. And uh, I don't know at the individual consumer level, how deep people are willing to go. But I do think that product makers should be as transparent as possible about the techniques they are using to manufacture their products, just so that people have that information available, yeah. even if we don't know what all means uh, yet. That, that's
0: a real you challenge know? because <laughs> a, a study might say, uh, you know, CBD helped uh, this these individuals with this condition if they took X amount of CBD. But like you're saying, then a lot of these, there are a lot of variables from the the plant and the type of strain and the, the amount of CBX versus other components and then how it was extracted and if there's any degradation. Like there are just so many different variables in there. Um, it, when somebody comes into an establishment yeah. and says, okay, well, I've checked off all these things. The the product comes from a good source and it's ethically sourced and whatever their their criteria is for buying a good product. How do you then say, here's where to start in dosing for yourself if you've never done it before?
1: Yeah, that's... It's a- <laughs> a journey. It might not not be too long of one, but um, what you're going to do is go through your own process of self titration and that's finding your own personal optimal. So you really want to think about what are your goals? You know, what are your reasons for consuming this product? And if it's uh, say, you know, um, you have anxiety and you're like, I want to use this CBD for my anxiety um, you'll think about, well, how much THC do I want in there? You know, and this is more relevant to people who live in places with the sensors where you can get, uh, products with more THC, but, um, you know, versus say someone who is using cannabis for pain, a lot of folks support that a one-to-one ratio of CBD and THC is really helpful for them. Right. But if you're using CBD for anxiety, you'll probably minimize your THC because, um, you know, THC in, in larger amounts is known to provoke anxiety or, or worsen it sometimes. So, so think about your goals and then what, what is going to be the most, uh, appropriate way to address, uh, the issue like, or, or the most effective you get to it. So, you know, if you have psoriasis, say you might want to use a topical, um, to, to put that right on the skin. And you may also want to use uh, some kind of an oral supp- supplement so that you're getting, um, to the systemic roots of the issue, because, um, some of those skin conditions like psoriasis are actually, um, autoimmune issues. And so w- with the immune system, you know, CBD can do its best work. Um, you know, if you're ingesting it, taking it systemically versus just putting it on the place where you're having the symptom. Um, so so you think, you know, think about what is my issue? What effects am I hoping to have? And then think about what kind of a, a ratio product will be the most appropriate for that. So do I want like a full spectrum product? Um, do I want THC in there? Um, do I want a broad spectrum product, you know, sort of eliminating any THC, but, but more of a whole plant type extract? Or do I want to go on the isolate side? Yeah. Um, or or like a distillate, you know, really, really kind of narrowed down to just that particular cannabinoid. Um, and then to figure out the dose, um, this is where you'll you'll do a little experimentation with yourself. And uh most people usually start between five and thirty milligrams of CBD. Um, you know, for the average healthy person taking it as a supplement. And that's really conservative. They've given people thousands of milligrams a day in in, um, some of the clinical trials that they have done uh, for for epilepsy specifically. Um, But uh, we know that it's CBD is safe in large amounts, but the best practice is always to start low and go slow, as they say. So, um, and, you know, and you don't want to waste your your money either. So you (laughs) kind of... um, You don't want to overdo it. So just start lower, take a little more, take a little more, um, the next day, right? Take a little more the next day until you get to the point where you feel like, oh, Hey, this is, this is doing what I want it to do. And you're satisfied. And then you're in your sweet spot. Or some people will go, you know, keep going up until they start feel some effects that they don't like. And then maybe they'll just, you know, back off it a little bit and that's their sweet spot. So um, it can really vary on an individual how much will be helpful. Some people report feeling effective CBD at 5 milligrams, um, whereas other people say, you know, oh, I need to take 100 to feel mm-hmm. to feel what I need to feel. And um, so, you know, be patient, don't jump up there, and and really keep in mind that it might take a couple weeks of um of titration. But, you know, this process isn't unique to to just CBD or cannabis. Um, If folks have ever, you know, it's common for pharmaceuticals uh, for certain things as well, if folks have ever tried things like SSRIs, um, you know, antidepressants. Doctors will often start, you know, say, we'll try the, this dose and then we'll check in after this long and mm-hmm. see if we need to raise it or lower it. Oh, it's uh, giving you a side effect. Let's change a different one. Okay, let's, you know, try more. Let's try less. So it's not just this particular mm-hmm. Um, sure. Substance that that we go through this process. Yeah, that can be really kind frustrating of a for process.
0: a lot of folks, where they're thinking like, "Can you just tell me what I'm supposed to take?" And and it, it's it can be challenging explaining. Almost it's like explaining mindfulness, right? It's like you know, here's here's what you want to consider for the next you know, week or two. Uh, but it's it is necessary. I, I prefer that approach of starting lower as opposed to saying take half the bottle and see what happens. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a like a good idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And also keeping in mind that, um, if you are taking any other medications, any other pharmaceuticals or, or that kind of thing, supplements, even the best practice is to take your CBD separately. Um, and especially with things like heart medication or or whatnot, just leave a couple hours in between when you take your medication and your supplement or, and your CBD, um, you know CBD can affect the way that the liver breaks down other things, and we don't want to to change the way that okay. yeah. medications work, really. You know, so whether that's, you know, depending on some that can make the effects stronger or lessen them, or, you know, we just don't want to tinker with it. So um, yeah, cool. yeah, take your so CBD I, separately. So I know we can
0: be here for eight hours. Like I'm I'm learning so much and I have a bunch of notes already, but. <laughs> Uh, for let's say for the business consumer and if it's different for the individual or sorry for uh, someone in the business and having cannabis um, how can we start to get educated right i think there's, there's a difference between just because you know how to extract it doesn't necessarily you doesn't necessarily mean that you know about how it interacts with the body and just you maybe the best ways but just in general like where do you start to be educated or get more education about hemp and canvas
1: yeah um well uh our class okay. is free um so cbd certified is is the workshop that um i do and we have a webinar this coming friday i don't know if the podcast will be up before then but um there's <laughs> we have uh, free webinars um at least once yeah. a month usually and um if people are around Oregon, there's some periodic classes in person. Um I also recommend, you know, people who have the the means, you know, it's not cheap, but there are certain conferences like um CanMed is a really good one that's sort of aimed at uh, at medical professionals and the medical world. Um and and you know, um, people who are really good self starters, self learners, you can always go on PubMed. You just mm. Google PubMed and that that's a database of peer reviewed scientific articles. And you can put cannabis in the search bar or you can put in C B D or whatever your um interest is and you'll get back a lot of hits. And you know, and there those are again a lot of very technical things, but um there yeah there's uh oh also projectcbd.org is a great organization they they yeah a lot of uh, they've got really reliable really readable uh, articles um and they really keep you up to date on things too so awesome yeah so
0: yeah those are any
1: of those are all
0: yeah they're great resources uh you know, you, you mentioned a few times that we're, we're still learning and it's important to stay updated on any new research. Uh, there is that uh, new study. I think I might have shared it with you earlier today uh, that there's, uh, it's just one study, right? But the, the, now there's some folks that are doubting if pediolex was the only thing that um, with seizures or was it because it interacted with another medication that, um, you know, like whether that's, that's, true or not. I think it's just important to keep researching and finding answers and trying to figure out like, you know, how, how much, how specific can we be with something that we're putting on or in our bodies?
1: Yeah. And I, I did take a look at that article. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, I would want to, I would want to know, um, how deeply they looked at, uh, kind of the, the study conditions. Cause um, my understanding of the epidemics trials, so the, the type of epilepsies uh, treatments that it's been approved for were for pediatric onset, treatment-resistant um, specific seizure disorders. You know, a couple of different ones: um, uh, Dravet syndrome and uh, lennox gusto. And so, so these are treatment-resistant. So they've already tried you know, generally speaking, by the time they got to these trials, those patients had already tried every other known treatment and, and different combinations. And so I think that, um, I think fact that, that, um, they were on that particular other anti-seizure medication, which is kind of a standard one. Um, to my thinking that would have been like, okay, well, um, the, uh, you know, those folks have probably already been on that before, right. and and they didn't see, you know, and and I understand that they're saying that maybe CBD itself isn't creating an anti seizure effect; it's just um, making other drug more potent, so making it have a greater effect. Uh, and I get that that's possible; it could be the case. It needs more. Um, I think more analysis to see, you know, I'd like to see how the study's authors respond, but, um, but let's not discount the fact that we had, um, kids using CBD oil, oh. you know, not Epidiolex, not CBD isolate and getting results And yeah. that, you know, people still report that. And there are a lot of people, um, not just kids, but adults with seizure disorders who, who do use CBD oil, and I don't I, – I'd say it's probably not the placebo effect sure. of keeping their seizures at bay or reducing them, right? right. So um, I think it's always good to second guess and make sure the science is sound. Um, and I'll be in to see where that discussion goes. Um, but I do feel like uh, – I feel like there's a wealth of anecdotal evidence that also shows CBD has anti-seizure effects. So um, – yeah. We'll see.
0: Yes, the the whole research. Yeah. It's just interesting. And I think even the, the author of the study said, like, I'm not saying that, that that's not working. It's just, you know, was it by itself or in conjunction with something else? Yeah. And I think just anytime I read these studies, I have all these doubts and like, what's, you know, is, is there bias or was there something else that they didn't look at like, our lives are not as simple as just the, the two minutes when we ingesting, um, yeah. you know, there's so much going on. Um, but, yeah. um, but anyway, so uh, just trailing off there. But if, uh, if somebody wants to uh, get in contact with you or maybe just learn a little bit more about you, what uh, do you have any links or anywhere you want them to go?
1: Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the easiest. <laughs> I'm yeah. at eggdrug. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to find me there. Um, and uh, our website is East Fork cultivars.com. Um, and there's a, a page on there about CBD certified. Oh, you can probably also Google CBD certified and, and find, uh, information that way about the webinars and, um, other, other classes.
0: Okay, great. I think I sent for the one this Friday. Um, you know, look forward to checking it out. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Um,
0: and then, so is there anything that you would like to leave people with, whether it's a thought or a challenge or maybe an ask, whatever you would like to leave people with?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, one big overarching theme is to really listen to your body and, and your relationship to your body is the one that matters. Um, you know, your truth of what you experience, um, is going to dictate what, what are the choices for you, whether that's to use cannabis or CBD or to not use it. Um, and so, um, so listen to your body and empower your, your own choices, um, in taking control of your health and also, um, get involved, even if it's just a little bit, um, help help me an activist to end uh, the injustices of cannabis prohibition.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I, I had an amazing time. I learned so much. Uh, I'm going to have to listen to this over and over again. I think there were a lot of things that were over my head, but it's really helpful. So thank you for what you do and don't stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you too. It was awesome. really enjoyable.
0: Hey, guys. And before you go, this is Jason from Spectrum Labs. Please be sure to visit us on the web at thespectrumlabs.com for any show notes and links discussed in the podcast. Also, remember to click the subscribe button wherever you may be listening from so you get notified when our next episode comes out. And tune in next show and have a fantastic day.